Welcome to the Venture Church Podcast of Venture Church in South Mississippi. Find out more about us at VentureChurch.org. Well, hey, everyone, and welcome. We're so excited that you would spend a little bit of your time here with us today at Venture. My name is Blake. I have the honor and the privilege of serving as our Gulf Coast campus pastor. God is doing amazing things there. And wherever you're tuning in from today, maybe you're right here joining us at one of our locations. Maybe you're across the way at the Hunt Club or at Stone County at a brand new Jones County campus, or maybe you are tuning in online wherever you're at today, man. Thank you. You could have been anywhere else in the world today, but you chose to be here. And I don't think you're going to regret it, man. We're walking through a series right now called Life Hacks, right, where we are going through the book of Proverbs. And man, I don't know if you guys are like me, but I'm really gleaning a lot of practical stuff from this message series. The past three messages that we have done, along with the Bible reading plan, which has been phenomenal, has just really helped me to glean some things that I really needed in terms of practicality and next steps with this message series. And I hope that it has for you as well. Maybe you, it's your first time here joining us today. We would love for you to go back and watch those messages, really dive in to what God has been teaching us through this Life Hacks series. But as I've been going through it, right, as I've been reading Proverbs and I've been listening to the messages and everything like that, I've kind of been getting this vibe that I remember when I was younger from my grandfather, I call him Papa, and he gave me these Proverbs all the time that I didn't understand. And maybe you're reading through the book of Proverbs right now and there's some things that you're not getting. It's almost like I'm reading through the book in my grandfather's voice in a weird way. It's like he's telling me the same stuff that he was telling me years ago. There's some things that he used to say that I just didn't get. And one of them was, uh, don't take no wooden nickels. Has anybody heard this? Don't take no wooden nickels. Or another one, here's one that he used to say all the time. You can wipe your sweat with a handkerchief, but you can't cover up with one. What? Or this one, one of my favorites, is put some glass in that hole. What in the world does that mean? But now that I'm older, and when I was younger, I didn't understand any of them at all. But now that I'm older, I start to understand the wisdom that he was saying. First and foremost, where he says, don't take no wooden nickels. Don't let anybody take advantage of you right? Or how about you can wipe your sweat with a handkerchief, but you can't cover up with one. It means do the hard work today so that you'll have the things that you will need tomorrow. But you may be looking at me, and that's not the ones I'm worried about, Blake. What about put some glass in that hole? What does that mean? It means roll up the window. Roll up the window. Now, nowadays, you just press a button, and the window just comes up, but it used to, you have to crank it. So we'd be like running outside and in, the, in the truck and stuff, and he'd be like, son, put some glass in that hole. And I'd be like, yes, sir, and I'd have to roll up the window. But I know that as, as I read Proverbs sometimes, it can seem that way, that I didn't understand the things that it was saying in the proverb that we're going to look at today. Proverb 23 is one of those. It feels just like that. Well, on the surface, it's hard to understand. It's hard to glean a lot from because it doesn't seem applicable to our lives today. But that's not the case when we really dive deep down into it and we see what God has for us and we really read into it, just like those Proverbs from my granddad, it's the same thing. We can start to glean some things. So I want to start off the message today in a way that was similar to how Kyle started his message off two weeks ago. Remember this, he asked you this question, what do you want? What do you want? I want to go in that same vein a little bit, but I want to take a different nuance And I want to ask you this question. I really want us to think about it. What is it that you can't get enough of? What is it in your life that you absolutely have to have, that you crave? And maybe it kind of brings you that desire that just brings you down that road a little bit too much. Now, you may be thinking to yourself right now, probably how I do, I can't get enough of my grandmother's pound cakes. 
Or maybe you're like me, I don't want just like a, a, Lay's, a bag of Lay's potato chips. I want to sit down on the couch and like set myself up to open up, tear into a family-sized bag of Lay's potato chips. Sour cream and onion, let's go. Those are my favorite kind in the world. I love Lay's potato chips. But I want us to pause for a second, and I want us to dig a little bit deeper. Because if we're honest with ourselves, those are just surface-level cravings that we have, desires that we have. What is it that drives you? What is it that you can't get enough of? And this isn't just a message for you. This is a message for me as well. Because if I'm being chief among us today, the thing that I need more than anything that, that, that drives me, that I desire, that I crave, is affirmation from men. Or the comforts of food. These are things that I struggle with. So I want to ask you as well, what is it that you struggle with? Is it control? Is it a relationship that you know you need to get out of, but you just seem to want more? Is it power? Is it money? What is it that drives you? This is what we're going to look at in Proverbs 23 today. But I want us to take a second and realize that desires are not inherently bad things. We were created by a great creator. We were made in his image. And so if he's the creator, he gives us the opportunity to create as his images. And so desires are natural things that we want and we can have. God placed them within us. It says in Psalm 23, one verse two, it says this. It says that you have given what was on man's lips. You have given him his heart's desire and have not withheld the request of his lips. God is for fulfilled desires. He just wants them the right way. And that's where we tend to mess up sometimes. And here's the crux of the whole message today is this, is that your desires that aren't disciplined are more than likely gonna be the desires that destroy and we see this in scripture, James chapter 1, verse 15. It says this, it says, desire when it conceives, it brings about sin. We've all felt this, right? We felt that moment where desire has crept in a little bit too much. We've gone a little bit too far. And so James goes on to say, not only does desire when it conceives bring about sin, but sin when it's fully grown, it brings about death. And so today we're going to be looking in Proverbs 23 at a way that we can have healthy desires. But it's not something that our culture wants us to have, right? It's not something that our culture tells us. Our culture tells us, like, go for it. Get your desire. Get the thing that you want. Chase after it. Think about some of the ads that we see. It's said that the ads that we look at each and every day, just by driving down the road, 50,000 advertisement impressions a day. Let's think about some of the top ones. Nike, just do it, right? Or how about this one, MasterCard. There's just some things in life that money can't buy. For everything else, there's MasterCard. Or Uber. Drive the where you want. Or two of my absolute favorites, Burger King. This is have it your way. Or the final one, Lay's potato chips. Bet you can't eat just one. And they're absolutely right. That's what our culture tells us to do, but God wants to give us an upside down view of how we are to train our desires and to keep them from destroying us. Let's look in Proverbs 23 together. We're going to start in verse 1, go to verse 5, and then move down to verse 12. It says, when you sit to dine with a ruler, note well what is before you. And put a knife to your throat if you're given to gluttony. Don't crave his delicacies, for that food is deceptive. Don't wear yourself out to get rich. Don't trust your own cleverness. Cast but a glance at riches, and they're gone. For they will surely sprout wings and fly off to the sky like an eagle. Verse 12, apply your heart to instruction and your ears to words of knowledge. Do not withhold discipline from a child. If you punish them with a the rod, they won't die. Punish them with a rod and they'll save them from death. 
My son, if your heart is wise, then my heart will be glad indeed. My inmost being will rejoice when your lips speak of what is right. Don't let your heart envy sinners, but always be zealous for the fear of the Lord. There is surely a future hope for you, and your hope will not be cut off. Today we're going to take a few minutes to learn how to have healthy desires, and how we can say enough truly is enough. Would you pray with me? Father, we pray that you would take this word and apply it to our lives, that we can take some spiritual truth out of this proverb so that our desires won't run, us, won't run rampant in our lives, but we will have healthy desires that give you honor and glory. We love you. We praise you in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said... Amen. So in order to properly talk about desire, I feel like it's important to kind of give you guys a little bit of an insight into my life. And like one of the most moments that I remember the most that was about desire. So I was 11 years old and I was really excited about baseball. Now you could probably imagine I wasn't the best baseball player, but this particular year I was dead set on making the all-star team. It was like, it was going to be Blake in the all-star team. Like I was excited about it. I was going to give anything that it took to be a part of the all-star team because in the all-star team, you got to travel. Now it's not like travel ball today where like you can join a team and pay to be in the team and then go out to like LA and then go to Orlando and Arlington and all these really cool places. No, like for the all-star team, it was the only team that traveled and you went to Taylorsville (laughs) and I was excited about it. I was ready to get to Taylorsville. It didn't matter what it was. We were going to go to like the watermelon festival or something, and we were going to rock and roll in Taylorsville. And I was dead set. So I said, I'm going to do whatever it takes to get on the all-star team this year. So I forsook everything else, friendships and school and church and everything, just focused only on baseball. And I even got this coach from the MLB that was living close by to come give me some tips, and he tried his best, and it really didn't take, but we worked on it. And at the end of the season, after the whole thing had wrapped up, I made the all-star star team as a first alternate. And so I made it though. And I was ready to rock and roll. And I had accomplished my desire and accomplished my dream. But the very first practice that we had, we were out in the outfield and the coach was hitting line drives and a kid missed the line drive and the ball hits me right in the collarbone and breaks my collarbone. And I'm done. And I remember how bitter I got. I remember how upset I was that everything that I had been chasing all year long, everything that I'd been getting everything to, my dream was now just shattered. Has anybody else felt like that when they chase desires? That it feels like the rug is just pulled absolutely out from under them and they don't know where else to go? I felt that way and I was bitter. And I remember my granddad, my granddad came to me and said, Blake, you really worked hard for that this year, didn't you, son? I said, yes, sir. He said, you're pretty bitter about it. I said, yes, sir. He said, you ever thought about maybe you chased it too hard? Because if this is where it left your heart, when you didn't receive it, maybe you put too much stock in it in the first place. And I remember that. And that's what this proverb is trying to teach us as well. So how do we have healthy desires? How do we build them in our lives? The first thing we need is definition. We need to define the desires in our life. Without definition, everything's just hazy. Everything's cloudy. Go back with me to Proverb 23. In verse 1, it says, when you sit to dine with a ruler, note well what is before you. Think about these two things. There's two situations. Imagine yourself going into a palace and there's a ruler there that has laid everything out before you that you could possibly want. He's just giving it to you right there. And it says, note well what is before you because here's the thing. The ruler, with the ruler, nothing comes for free. Nothing comes for free. Everything that is at the table, you better note well what's before you because the ruler is the prince and the power of this air, and he is ready to just sink his teeth into you. He wants you to get as much as you can. He wants you to eat as much as you can. He wants you to take as much as you can because he knows that as humans, we have this tendency, right? 
we have this tendency to take more than we should and to go further than is proper. And so the ruler's sitting back saying, yeah, I've set it up for him now. I've given him everything he needs. I'm going to put a string on each and everything that's on this table. We need to note well what it is that we desire. Because this isn't something that's just applicable to our own culture, right? This isn't just something that we're just now realizing. This is a tale as old as time. This is something that the enemy, who is the ruler sitting at the table, given everything that you could possibly want. He's been doing this since the garden. Go back with me to Genesis chapter 3, where Adam and Eve are sitting. They've got everything they could possibly want. The garden is perfect. It looks great. They have food. They have purpose. They're joining in with God in the work that he is doing. They've got everything they could possibly want. But what do they not have is defined desire. It was hazy for Eve and Adam. It was hazy for them, especially in the moment. The enemy knew this because he set the stage. He set the table. He comes up to the tree of knowledge of good and evil. He kind of perches out on it while they're hanging out. He says, did God really say that when you ate of this fruit that you would die? No, no, no. What I heard was that you would be like God, being able to discern what is right and wrong. And in that moment, the dissonance in Eve's mind and in Adam's mind, where they, did not, they hadn't properly defined their desires. They were like, do I want to be in this perfect place with God forever, having everything that I need, or do I desire power and control and to be like God? In that moment, they had ill-defined desires, and they partook of the fruit, and everything changed. But the enemy kept using this strategy, and he's using it today. Think back in the New Testament where Jesus was in the wilderness, and the enemy comes to him as well, and he says, hey, look, you can turn that bread, that stone into bread. And Jesus did the proper way because he had defined desires. He said, man shall not eat by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. He used scripture to back it up. And then the enemy takes him to the pinnacle of the temple, right? And they're sitting there and everything looks great. And the enemy said, hey, you can have all of the kingdoms of this world. Everything. Isn't that what you want? Isn't that what you want is to have the power and control of all of the kingdoms? And Jesus says, you do not tempt the Lord your God because I have proper desires. I know exactly where they're placed. This is how we overcome the table and the ruler that sets before us. is having defined desires. How do we do it? Some practical tips that we can take away right here. The first thing is you need to start with the question that we began this message with, which is what is it that you really want? What is it in life that you can't get enough of? Is it power? Is it control? Maybe you're saying, hey, I want a lot of money. Okay, I want, that's great. But then that moves to the next thing that we have to do, which is continue asking why. Why do you want these things? Why do you have this desire? And so maybe you say, I want a lot of money. I want to retire and do all these things. Yeah, well, why? I had a buddy who we were riding around the other day, and he said this. He said, man, like, I'm going to work as hard as I can. I'm going to eat rice and beans, and I'm going to retire at 35. I said, man, that's awesome, bro. I'm really excited for you. Why? And he looked like I had just slapped his mother <laughs> because he didn't understand, like, the, the question why. He was like, well, I haven't really thought about it. He said, what do you mean why? I said, that's awesome that you want to retire at 35. Why? What are you going to do at 36? And he said, I don't know. And that's exactly where the enemy wants to creep in on our desires because it's not drilled down enough to know the true root of what we want. So keep asking why. Okay, you want to retire early? Why? Well, because I want to be generous. Why? Because that's what the Lord teaches. Great. Or I want to retire early. Why? So that I can have a lot of money. Why? So that I can get the things that I want. Why? So that I can just continue accumulating and greed. There's a root cause. And so then we need to get to those root causes and do the third thing, which is we need to see how that lines up with Scripture. 
We need to see how that lines up with Scripture. Take a look at what it says in Matthew 16, 26. It says, what good is it if the man gains the entire world and yet loses his soul? It's not just about having desires. It's about having the right desires. We have to make sure we define them well. But not just define them. We've got to move into a place of disciplining those desires. Look at verse 2 of Proverbs 23. It says, all of that food that was set before you, if you're looking at it and it looks really good and you're ready to eat it, it says, put a knife to your throat if you're given to gluttony. Ouch. That's a hardcore verse. I get some like serious Godfather vibes with that verse. Put a knife to your throat. But it's not just talking about appetites. It's not just talking about gluttony and those different things. It's talking about any desire, anything that you crave, that you need to restrain yourself to keep from moving into a place of just taking more and more and more and more. Now, this is where I start preaching to myself because I'm the worst at it. Right? We all feel this where we continue to take more than is necessary. But here is the difficult thing, that we can get so seduced by the atmosphere of power and luxury and more that we begin surrendering things that should never be surrendered. We begin making promises that we should never make. And ultimately, and this is the worst of all, is that we begin worshiping things that never had intention to be worshiped. We never meant it to go that far. We never meant to take it that far. But this is what discipline needs because we need both in our lives. We need both desire and we need discipline. Both are great things. Think about it. Desire is where we get our passion. Desire is where we get our excitement. It's that thing inside of us that we just know we have to chase after. We've got to do it. God places that there in us. But without discipline, it runs rampant. We need discipline because it builds our character. And we need both in the Christian walk. But think about this. Think about a fireplace. Fireplace is really nice, right, in the living room, center of the house, right? You get some nice warmth, especially, you know, in Mississippi, it's not that big of a deal. But if maybe you're living uh, somewhere else, we've got some people that watch in Oregon hanging out with us. You know, maybe in the, the, the winter times, that fireplace is really, really nice because the fire brings warmth, brings comfort, brings a centeredness that we wouldn't otherwise have. But imagine if I had a fireplace and the fire was roaring and I took that fire and I picked it up and I plopped it on the couch. That would not be a great thing. Because what once had construction around it, what once had discipline and these constraints around it to keep it in a really good place, now I've put it on the couch where it is going to absolutely consume everything. It's going to tear down my family. It's going to tear down my relationships. It's going to tear down the thing that I've built. It's going to consume all. That is the way that desire and passion is. That's what the writer of Proverbs knew, that the enemy is setting the table, hoping that it would happen. But instead, we have to build a fireplace around that fire. We have to make sure that we're putting it in proper perspective. We build desire. How do we do it? How do we build discipline in our lives? Do one hard thing every day. Do one hard thing every day. There's a practical tip. Find ways to put yourself in hard positions to continue to do it, even when it doesn't feel good. One thing that I'm trying to do right now is I'm trying to work on both my spiritual and my physical health. So I've got a buddy who's a really good friend of mine. He's got me running. So we've been doing this little couch to 5K thing, and it's been feeling really good, and we've been excited. That first week, I was all about it. That first week, I was like, let's go, right? Tuesday, I'm running. I only like ran out of breath twice. It was great. Thursday, I'm running. Sun Saturday, we did a really good run. But the next week, there was like a 7% chance of rain. And I was like, ah, 
I don't know, maybe not. Like, so I text my buddy and I was like, hey, look, you know, I know it's supposed to be raining, right? So we can still go on our run. I really want to, but you know, it might be raining. So maybe we need to, you know, wait until another day. And he sent me a text back and I'll never forget this for as long as I live. He said, if it's raining, we running. If it's raining, we running. And that is going to be my motto for life from here on out. Because there are so many things in this life that are going to try to get us off track of the disciplined life that God has for us. So many subtle little things where we're going to be like, I don't know if that's the right thing. Or an unforeseen circumstance or difficulty in life and all of these things, one after the other, after the other, after the other. And we can look at all of them with the grace and the mercy that we've been given by Jesus Christ and say, even if it's raining, we run it. Even if it's raining, I'm going to run the race that God has set out for me. Even if unforeseen circumstances come, I'm still going to run the race because nothing is going to stop me from accomplishing what is the true prize. And that is the direction of our desires. The direction. See, we can have definition. We can have discipline. But if we don't have direction, then where are we going? Look at verse 17 again. In Proverbs 23, it says this. Don't, don't let your heart envy sinners. It may look good for a moment, right? It may look good for a moment, but don't envy the sinners. But always be zealous for the fear of the Lord. There is surely a future hope for you, and your hope will not be cut off. This is the direction that all of our desires must funnel into. It's this, the fear of the Lord. Now, we've talked about it for several weeks. We've looked at it and, and said, okay, this is what the fear of the Lord is, but how do we define the fear of the Lord? How do we apply it to our lives? How do we make it something that's worth grabbing onto than just a term to add into our, our arsenal? Here's the definition that you can take away. The fear of the Lord is an active recognition of both God's greatness and his goodness. And when we apply that to our lives, it changes everything. Because we know that God is great, man. He has given us great things. He is the creator of the universe, and he is greatly to be praised. He's also greatly to be feared because he's all-knowing, all-powerful, but he's also all-good. And he is a good God. And he has given us good gifts, and he has changed our lives forever. And so we live with an eternal direction of saying, no, everything else I'm going to discipline away. Everything else, my desires, I'm not going to let them run me. Instead, I'm going to run my desires in the direction of the fear of the Lord. Everything in my life then becomes about knowing God's greatness and his goodness and helping anybody else to see it as well. This is the direction in which we run. This is, even Jesus said it in John 5, 16. It says, apart from the Father, the Son can do nothing. The Son only sees what the Father is doing. He only does what the Father says. And then we go on and we see in Matthew 6, Jesus says, but seek first God and his kingdom and everything else is gonna be added to you. And if you're looking for a fulfilled life, because we all know this feeling, right? Where we chase after the desire, we go for more, and it ends up being hollow. It ends up being empty. But if you define well what it is that you want, and you really seek it, and you drill down into it, and you find the why, and then you begin to build discipline around it, you begin to build a construct, a fireplace, to where it can build an engine around that fire, and then move it in the direction of the fear of the Lord, and say, God, my entire life is centered around your active presence, and your greatness, and your goodness, your life will find fulfillment. It's not in the hollow things of desire. Don't let them be an end of, in and of themselves. But let your direction be for the glory of God. There's a final proverb that my 
grandfather used to tell me when I was younger, he would say this. He'd say, son, there's a lot of good things in this world. There's a lot of good things. You can have them. You can take them. But always remember this and never lose this, that when the good things take the place of the best things, they become bad things. So whatever it is in your life, whatever desire you find that may be consuming you, maybe your desire is discipline, and discipline is the thing that's consuming. Whatever it is that you just want more of, don't let the good things in life take the place of the best things of God and his glory and his greatness and his goodness. Don't let them take the place of those things. Because the ruler's sitting at the table, and he's got a big spread waiting for you. And he's just hoping that you take a bite. But instead, look at that table and then look at that ruler in the face and say, hey, look, if it's raining, even if it's raining, we run it. And then offer everything up to the Lord. And watch the fulfillment and the power and the goodness in your life begin overflowing. And your life will never be the same. Will you pray with me? Father, we love you. We're so thankful for this time together. We're thankful that we can receive your word. It's a hard word, Lord. It's a word that I'm, I'm not good at. It's a word that I... Sometimes don't want to hear. But Father, when we run into your arms, when we discipline ourselves to run the race that you have set out for us, there is more fulfillment, there's more gratification there than anything we could ever receive in and of ourselves. So Father, I pray that we remember and we live our lives with an active recognition of your greatness and your goodness. So that no matter what may come our way, no matter what the ruler, the enemy may set in front of the table in front of us, that we would just offer it up as an offering to you. And say, no, 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 we're not living this life for our pleasure. We're not living this life for freedom. We're not living this life for all of these different things that may chain us down. Instead, we're living it for your glory and for your glory alone. We love you, Father. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you that we can have right standing relationship with you because of what Jesus did for us on, his, on the cross and in his resurrection. We honor his name today, and it's in his name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us for the Venture Church Podcast. To find a campus near you, check out VentureChurch.org.